Good morning. Uh, welcome as we come to worship um, today. Um, this is um, our Jubilee weekend. Um, obviously, uh, if you've missed that, I'm not sure what screens you've been looking at uh, recently, uh, but we can see and hear that there are lots of celebrations going on. Uh, so a big thank you uh, to those who participated or helped in any way for our Jubilee celebration last Sunday uh, in the afternoon. It was a wonderful uh, event here, so thank you to all those uh, who helped uh, at that. Um, we begin with a couple of verses um, today um, from the Psalms, actually, uh, that give us a, a sense of God's authority, a bigger perspective of who God is, uh, that He is the one who rules and reigns uh, throughout all of eternity. Uh, the first one comes from Psalm 84, and it says, Behold our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. So I lift up my eyes to the hills, and where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, who is the maker of heaven and of earth. This is also Pentecost Sunday, uh, the birthday of the church, effectively, the day that the promised Holy Spirit came and rested in those first apostles and disciples, and power from on high uh, remained in the church forever. Uh, sometimes we look around um, our churches today, sometimes we look around ourselves today, and we think, why isn't things like that happening for us in this moment? But it can and it does. God is present with us and he is here. We open our hearts and our minds as we in, not invite him into this space because he is already here, but as we invite him to do his work in our lives and in the midst of us as a congregation. Let's pray as we begin. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us that your spirit empowers us and holds us for who we are. Empower us in this moment. Breathe afresh upon us. That we might see and know who you are, what you have done for us, and what you can enable us to be through you. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to hear God's word read from Galatians. The reading comes from Galatians chapter 5, uh, 16 to 26. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus 
have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Thank you, Heather. Uh, so we continue uh, our series, uh, Born to be Free. Uh, this series that uh, takes us through Galatians. This is the fifth week of it. We just have one more week left uh, before we move out of this series. But uh, we're coming to a conclusion. So let's see what we've heard over the last number of weeks or gleaned uh, from the scriptures. We've explored what it means to be free in Christ. Uh, Galatians 5 and verse 1, uh, which wasn't read today, um, but it says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then. And do not yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. For it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. We've explored what freedom means. That true freedom has its boundaries within it that actually enable us to be all that we can possibly be. True freedom has boundaries that enables us to stay safe and to flourish. We looked at those three words that define uh, the Christian faith. Faith alone, grace alone, uh, and through Christ alone. That day we looked at that picture of the elephant that was tied to a huge stake to start off with and gradually the stake grew just until it's a tiny little pin in the ground but the mind had been conditioned to believe that it could no longer move. Asking the question, what shackles us, what holds us back whenever we can actually walk away and be free? Last week we looked at the difference between an heir and a slave, the similarities between them but also the differences between them. The fact that a slave is a property of someone, but yet an heir is the one who receives the inheritance, the glorious inheritance that is meant for them. So as we uh, about to move into this uh, chapter 5, let's just pray together uh, as we do so. Father God, we thank you that you are present with us, that your spirit is here and it is for freedom that you died and set us free. Help us, Lord, in this moment by your spirit on this Pentecost Sunday, to hear afresh and anew from you. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a battle raging, constantly raging around us. A battle that rages for your heart and for your mind. We cannot see this battle, but we recognize that it is there. There are moments whenever we feel overwhelmed. There are moments whenever we feel that we're uncertain what it is that we should do, what actions we should have, or sometimes even what words we should use in a conversation. Sometimes there are decisions that we know we need to make, but we hold back from making them because we are afraid of what the consequences or the reaction to them might actually be. We hold back from actions because we're familiar or comfortable with what actually we know and therefore we don't want to step out of that comfort zone because we know that that will bring discomfort uh, even if it is only in the short term. See, verse 16 today says, So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Live by the Spirit and you won't gratify the this desires of the sinful nature. It's easier said than done, isn't it? Live by the Spirit and you'll never ever have any temptation whatsoever. And you're going to live a life that is free and a life that is up. That's it, over the day. 
it's difficult because there's a battle raging within us. There's a battle between good and evil. There's a battle between God and the devil. And as we move forward, we push into our relationship with God as we strive to move forward with him. That's the point where we become dangerous for the devil. He wants to hold on to us. And so he wants to drag us back and contain us into that place of our sinful desires, that place of the instant pleasure, that place where he knows that we cannot get as close to God as we possibly want to. We often know what we should do, don't we? There are those moments where that battle is raging and we know in our heart of hearts what it is that we should do. And this is not a preacher piling guilt on you today because as the preacher says these things, he is just as guilty of each and every one of them. Actually, there are moments whenever I know what it is that I should do and that battle is raging between my, in my soul and around me in the spiritual realm. But yet, for whatever reason, in my humanity, in my wanting of instant pleasure, in my whatever it might be, I step over the line and I step away from God rather than closer to Him. Sometimes we call that our conscience that moment where something pricks us from the inside and says, is this right? But as a believer, it is much more than that. It is, as we, on this Pentecost Sunday, it is the Holy Spirit that lives within us that creates that atmosphere that shows us what is right and what is wrong. And sometimes we don't even know why we know it's wrong or why we know it's right, but we just know in our knower that we know that we know that we know that we know that it is right. A lot of no's in there, isn't there? But that kind of explains that a little bit, doesn't it? Because sometimes we just know that something is right. A, a decision is the right thing to make. We can't put our finger on it and say, that's why we're doing it. But we know that it is the right thing to do. It's the Holy Spirit living within us, drawing us closer to God and away from the devil. And as the Holy Spirit lives in us, he empowers us. He empowers us for this raging battle and, and these aren't just the words of the preacher. These are contained in the scriptures. Ephesians especially is full of this kind of language of a battle. Us putting on the full armor of God so we can take our stand against the arrows of the fiery devil. The battle is raging. And I remember listening to a preacher many years ago and he asked this question of his, of his hearers. If you don't recognize that the battle is raging around you, are you truly walking towards God? Because if we don't recognize the battle is raging around us, maybe we are so comfortable with where we are that we are actually of no harm to the devil and his ways. I often hear the church described as a hospital. The church is a hospital. It's a place where hurting people come to be healed. Yes? You're not so sure about that, actually. Well, this is quite interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, but it can be described as that, can't it? The church should be a place of welcome, a place where people can come into. The church is a place where we can be healed, where the oil of anointing can touch us afresh and anew, and we can, where we can be healed, not just in a physical sense, but also in a mental and in a spiritual sense as well. 
where we can receive from God, where that balm can be put upon us. But, you know, a hospital in terms of a secular hospital, if you like, is a place that we go to to enable us to get well so we can come back home again. All right? We don't ever want to stay in hospital, sure we don't. No. We're thankful for it whenever it's there and we need it. But the church is more like a field hospital, like a military hospital. So a soldier is actually in the battlefield. They are injured and they are sent into the field hospital in the mid the battle still rages around them. The doctors and nurses prepare them, they get them better, not so that they can be sent home, but so they can go back out into the battle. Because that's what the church is designed to be, a place where we together, one body, under God, where we can support each other, encourage each other, nurture each other, and help each other in our journeys. So that as the battle rages around us as individuals and collectively as a church, then we are ready for it. Because the battle is real. Verses 19 to 21 says this, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious sexual immorality impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Quite a list, isn't it? And in one sense, we can find ourselves sitting into some of those in our humanity. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And it's very easy whenever we hear a list like that to think, I know somebody that fits into those categories. But in the words of Jesus, he who is without sin may cast the first stone. In today's world, we might say there, but the grace of God go I. Because Romans 3 and 23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in one sense, it's whenever we reach that point, it's whenever we reach the point of recognizing who we are, recognizing how far we are from God, that freedom steps into our lives. That's the moment where we reach out, in a sense, where we empty ourselves, where we've hit rock bottom, and we realize it's not about me, it's not about myself, it is about him, and we reach out to God. It's in those moments that we find true freedom because we realize that he is setting us free. It's with his help and his strength that we are able to step forward. When the Spirit works, we have freedom. But we often don't create the space to allow the spirit to work. We need to allow the atmosphere to change. The atmosphere in our own lives and in the life collectively of the church. And whenever that atmosphere changes, an atmosphere of openness to what the spirit would do amongst us and within us, then God begins a mighty, mighty work. When do you think back maybe to your own wedding day or to a wedding that you have been at the DJ is there. He is encouraging people to get up onto the dance floor. And everybody under the age of eight is on the dance floor dancing. They're swinging, they're swinging dresses. 
but everybody else is sitting around the edge, quietly, talking to each other, not listening to the prompts or the encouragement of the DJ to get onto the dance floor. And then on comes Rock the Boat, or the Macarena, or the Conga, or whatever song it is of your era. That's showing my kind of age limits now. But whatever it is of you, and all of a sudden, somebody nudges, come on, if you go, I'll go. If you go, I'll go. And all of a sudden, there's two or three, and once two or three are on the dance floor, there's five or six. And then all of a sudden, as the conga goes around the room, it's the children that are sitting down because they're scared to get trampled on. And all the adults are now in the middle of the room. The atmosphere changed. The atmosphere changed because there was an atmosphere of encouragement to allow freedom to happen, to let go of those insecurities of what other people might think. Because let me tell you, I don't dance. You wouldn't want to see it at all. On our wedding day, on our wedding day, we divvied it up a wee bit. So we did the first dance, gave her the first dance. Um, after that, we divvied it up. I, I looked after everybody that was sitting on the edge and surely danced with everybody uh, on the dance floor. We just thought that was kind of a 50-50 equal thing. She doesn't see it that way. Tell you a slightly different story. But, um, but the atmosphere changes whenever we encourage each other. How much more would the atmosphere change if we encourage each other to have freedom in Christ? How much more would the atmosphere change if we opened ourselves, our lives, individually and collectively to what God would have us do? For we call God's past faithfulness into our present situation and we allow him to do his work. Pre-COVID, I used to be in and out of nursing homes quite a bit doing uh, services. And that hasn't quite returned yet. And we look forward to the day whenever that will. But one of the things I always noted uh, was that whenever I entered a nursing home, I always chose to do morning prayer one. The old prayer book language. And I always noted that the people would have been sitting in the room, uh, often maybe quite quietly, maybe seeming as if they were in a completely different world or a completely different place. But once I said, dearly beloved brethren, the years pick up. As I continued through the familiar language, it called something out and it placed it into the present. And all of a sudden, their body language changes. They sit up, they join in the Lord's Prayer, they join in the Collects from Morning Prayer, they join in the Finite. The room fills with noise. And the staff often look at me and going, how'd that happen? And I'm going, I have no idea. <laughs> but it's calling the past faithfulness, the, the things that we remember that are true and right and tying them into our present situation and allowing God to be at work. See, verse 22 here, after that long list of all those hum humanly speaking things that we can get involved in, it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Those are all attributes and qualities that we would love to bear for ourselves and for the people that we know and love. And in the midst of all of those, joy is the infectious one. The self-control, the gentleness, all of those things can happen and we can admire them in other people. But joy, it becomes infectious. Doesn't it? Whenever a baby laughs in a room, what happens? Everybody else starts giggling along with the baby. Whenever somebody walks into a room that is quiet and begins to bring a little bit of joy, suddenly the atmosphere changes, the posture changes, the smiles happen on people's faces. Because the fruit of the Spirit is infectious. The battle is raging around us. All around us. So what are we to do? What are we to do? Well, the Bible never leaves us hanging. Verse 24 says this, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and its desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with the passions and desires. We set aside those things that we know will harm us in the long run. We set aside those things that we know will drag us down and shackle us and keep us from being free. And we take another step towards Jesus. Being open and welcoming to what His Holy Spirit will do in and through us. It says here, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We keep in step with the Spirit. But I wonder, what does that mean for you? What does that look like for you? Because we are a diverse group of people. Of us who are quiet and shy. Some of us are at the other end of that spectrum. Some of us are new on our journey with the Lord. Some of us have been on that journey for many, many years. Some of us are yet to begin that journey with Him as our personal Savior. So what it means to be in step with the Spirit for each one of us will mean something different. But the important thing is this, that we all take another step on the journey. Being open to what God would do amongst us, allowing each one of us to create the atmosphere of change for God to work in this place. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Amen. Well, as we conclude and our children have joined us uh, again, let's uh, pray as we conclude. May God crown you with glory and righteousness. May you obtain the crown of an everlasting kingdom by the gift of him whose kingdom endures forever. May the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.